Thank you, Andrew, for sharing that with us. Powerful passage of scripture. And uh, it uh, informs us, right? Gives us that, uh, that confidence. Thank you for your good singing. Um, it's funny how God orchestrates things and how God put things, puts things all together. The, um, the kids sang a song, our God is so great, so strong and so mighty, right? The, the mountains are his, the rivers are his, the stars are his handiwork too, right? Um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, how, how big and how great and how awesome our God is this morning. And every, every one of these songs kind of pour into this idea of how big our God is. I'm in that stage of life where just about everything that was pretty cool about me is um, sort of disappearing very quickly. Um, I used to have great looks. I used to be really attractive, really handsome. Um, and I, I used to be really very athletic, right? And um, all of that's sort of going downhill. Softball teams ask me to retire several times and, and you know, they're cutting me loose. And, um, but at home, there are still moments when dad is hero. You remember those moments when dad's like, my dad's got this. Just the other day, Carol brought me a, a, a jar of peanut butter. And she said, do you think you can open this? Oh, yeah, I got this. And I was able to open it. And I was like, yes, I got this. Still feel pretty good, you know? Teenagers start to test the, the heroism of God, or, or of dad, rather. They start to test me, and, and most of the time, still... I can pull off an act or two of, of great heroism. And, and, um, but honestly, it's fleeting fast. And, uh, but I do take every opportunity I can to, uh, to be a hero. Uh, today, we're talking about how big our God is. Did you ever have those debates with kids on the playground? Like, my dad could beat up your dad. Right? Well, my dad's bigger than your dad. We all have a dad. That's very big, very large, and he's very much in charge. When you get in those moments of pure chaos, you don't know where to turn, you don't know where to run, and you're just, you're completely at a loss. We have to realize how big God is. God is a very big God. It's a strange question to ask in a church service because we all know the right answer. Well, how big is God? Well, he's big right he's huge but whatever struggle you're in right now you can rest assured that god isn't scared of your little problem he understands it he comprehends it he's got it he knows what's going to happen in the book of Psalms, chapter 19, is where we're going to take our message from this morning. So if you want to turn there or, or find it in your Bible or find it on your app, um, Psalms, chapter 19. And um, we're, going to first look at, we're going to first look at nature. And uh, a creation always reveals something about its creator. Does anybody, any of you parents, did any of you receive um, from your kiddos today a paper that they did in Sunday school? Anybody get one? Can I see it? Oh, here's one. 
anybody have a color? Anybody have, anybody have one that's color? Oh, there's a good one right there. I'll give it back. I promise. So, what can we tell about the Creator from the creation? What can we tell about the Creator? They colored pretty close to the line, right? Yeah. What 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 age do you think this person is? By not knowing where I grabbed it from. What age would you think this person is? 30, 32, something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a beautiful creation, right? But we learn something about the creator when we look at their creation, right? This person's sort of writing on the lines. They've got some letter structure going on, right? Okay, so we learn something about the creation or about the creator when we look at their creation. We can do the same thing with God. We can look at creation. So today we're going to look just a little bit at, at nature, a little bit at, at creation, and find out how big our God is. We, we don't want to go through life and miss the creation, because if we do, we'll miss aspects of the creator. So in Psalms 19, we're going to look at, uh, starting in verse 1, we're going to read 1 down through verse 6 to start with. Because this is kind of David's conclusions about how big our God is. And I love this passage of scripture in Psalms 19. Let's look at it. Psalms 19, starting in verse 1. It says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. Day after day they continue to speak. Night after night they make Him known. They speak without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. David's telling us about our creator by showing us his creation. We can learn something about the creator by looking at his creation. We can't, once again, go through life and miss creation. Because if we do, we're going to miss aspects of the creator. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm just going to do some, some, more, uh, some more Bible work here. Because there's, there's a lot in Isaiah. There's a lot in Psalms. There's a lot all throughout the scripture. In fact, um, one place, if, if you have time this week, go to uh, the book of Job. And start somewhere in around 38. Well, the whole book of Job is this way. But start in 38. Do 38, 39. Um, and just find out what exactly is going on with Job's life there. And um, it's a powerful, powerful message. Isaiah chapter 40, though, is, is we find some more interesting things about the creation and about how big God is. Look at verse 12 with me. Who else has held the heavens, or the oceans rather, in his hand? How much water is on the earth? It's a lot of water, right? I, I think it's around 70, what is it, science teacher? 72% of the earth is water, something like that. This verse says that God can hold it in the palm of his hand. That's a lot of water. That's a big hand, right? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Some of your translation is a span, right? What's a span? 
A span is pinky to, to, to thumb. Thumb to pinky, that's his span. God can measure the heavens with his fingers. Who else knows the weight of the earth or has weighed the mountains and hills on a scale? Who is able to advise the spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to give him advice and teach him? Has the Lord ever needed anyone's advice? Does he need instruction about what is good? Did someone teach him what is right and show him the path of justice? No, for all the nations of the world are but a drop in the bucket. They are nothing more than dust on the scales. He picks up the whole earth as though it were a grain of sand. How big is our God? He's pretty big. It's pretty amazing. Now drop down to verse 20 and 21. Haven't you heard? Verse four, or chapter 40, verse 21. Haven't you heard? Don't you understand? Are you deaf to the words of God? The words he, has, he gave before the world began. Are you so ignorant? God sits above the circle of the earth. The people below seem like grasshoppers to him. He spreads out the heavens like a curtain and makes his tent from them. Now drop down to verse 25. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asks the Holy One. Look up into the heavens who created all the stars. He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. That's just amazing to me. Not a single one's missing. He knows where they all are, and he, he, he knows them by name. Verse 27, O Jacob, how could you say to the Lord, does not see your, your troubles? O Israel, how can you say to God, he ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. Do you, know any, do you know anybody that can measure the heavens by their span? I know some guys that have really big hands. Mine are pretty small. There's some guys that have really big hands. Nothing in comparison. God is a big God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18 tells us something about how God interacts with people. He said, but God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to him. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse, not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. All you have to do is walk outside, and especially in Colorado, walk outside on a clear night and look up and ask the question, how big must the creator be if this is how big his creation is? I've got a video I, I really wanted to dive into and really kind of park in this place of how big creation is. And um, I, I did a bunch of research and I tried to get my stats together and I tried to get my numbers together. Um, and then I found this video. And um, 
I don't know if you're familiar with Louis Giglio. Anybody ever heard of him? Mm-hmm. Um, he does, uh, he's an astronomer. He, he does all kinds of research, but he's a godly astronomer. He, he goes in and, and looks at how big God is. And so I just took this short clip um, from one of his messages, and I want to share it with you this morning because I really think it helps us get an idea of how big our God is. So let's watch this real quick. One by one 
calls them each by name. Because of his mighty strength and great power, not one of them is missing. If you want to get a glimpse of it, here's a composite shot of our subdivision, the Milky Way galaxy. It's taken by com combining hundreds of thousands of photographs. Obviously, we haven't managed to get outside of the Milky Way galaxy to take a picture of it, but um, NASA folks are pretty sure that's what it looks like. It has a, a barred nucleus. It's a barred spiral galaxy. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's 100,000 light years across. So if you want to go visit your neighbors on the other side of the subdivision, you just have to go 186,000 miles a second for 100,000 years, and boom, you're at their house. Um, and our little neighborhood home called the Milky Way Galaxy, you say, well, where are we? I'm, I'm looking for us on there. You know, we, we got to be right in the center, obviously. I'm sure we're right in that right there in that middle. No, we believe it or not, we're not even in the center of our own subdivision, okay? So affirming again tonight, it's not about you, and it's not about me. We don't even live in the center of our own subdivision, and you don't want to live in the center of the subdivision because it's scary in the center of the subdivision. We, you say, well, where do we live? Well, we live way out between a couple of the spiral arms. You don't want to live in there either because that's dangerous territory inside the bands. We live in that little clear zone between a couple of the bands, about two-thirds of the way out. We're living somewhere about there. And you're, you're like, well, I don't, I don't see me. No. Because we couldn't put a mark on the diagram that you could see that would be the right relative size to our solar system. You know, that's our little cul-de-sac in the subdivision. That we couldn't even put our solar system on here in relative size to the Milky Way galaxy for you to see. It's that small inside the Milky Way galaxy. Scientists say our solar system is the size of a quarter. And the Milky Way galaxy is the size of the North American continent. So our whole solar system is a quarter. And the size of an area as big as the North American continent. We're not that consequential in our own subdivision called the Milky Way galaxy. And somewhere in there is a star. One of these billions of stars. It's not the biggest, the baddest, the brightest. It's just one of the stars, the billions of stars. We call it the sun. And around it tonight are orbiting these balls. One of which is called Earth. It's our home. That's you and me. No, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to help you see that you are small. But it's significant insignificant. Because as tiny as we are, we are known and prized by majesty, who sent for us and loves us and knows us, even though we are teeny, tiny, little, bitty people on a little, bitty speck floating through the vast cosmos that he has made. Just like he could name every star as he called them into being and put them in their places. He could start in this building and like all the way up in the top with you right there. And he could call you by your name. And he could move to you and call you by your name. And you by your name. And the great creator of all the heavens and the earth could move through this auditorium and call every single person in this building by name tonight. He knows us and is aware of us and loves us and has come to invite us into a relationship. 
it's mind-blowing to think about how big our God is. I like what he said, how insignificant or the significance of our insignificance. It's awesome because God does care about us. Why did you why do you think he made this universe so massive and so I, I, I'm sorry. I feel like it's oversized a bit. I mean, really. God really didn't have to make it that big. I would be impressed with a tenth that size. Right? But he didn't stop there. He kept going. Why? Not to make us feel small. Not to make us feel stupid, but to make us know that we are small. To make us know that our major problems, our situations that we get ourselves into, that we think that it's just going to be scary, God's got it. He understands it. He's there with us. And he can walk through each and every problem with us. Why does God care about us? Psalm chapter 8 and verse 3 says, When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Why does God care about us? God says because we are the pinnacle. We are the ultimate in his creation. Then he moves past this idea of creation and he teaches us something about the creator, right? And then he goes on to something else. What, is, what does David say next? Look at, look at Psalms 19, starting in verse 7. God's word, it, the God this big has a word that is not only perfect, but it's trustworthy and it's right. Look at it. Psalms 19, verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandments or the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. Because of the size of our God, we look at this book with great awe. A God this big wrote down these words for us to read. A personal letter from an enormous creator. It's perfect in every word. A God of this size is, size is so capable of a perfect book. Have you ever counted how many words are in the Bible? The King James Version has 783,137 words. Yeah, that's, what, that's why I spent all my time on this week. I went counting through. No, I didn't. Why is that significant? Well, because in the millions and billions of miles out there and all of the millions and billions of stars that are out there, God created this little book. And he put these little words in this little book. Do you think if he can place galaxies in our universe, do you think he can place less than a million words in a little book for us? Absolutely. 
God's word is perfect. It's trustworthy. Because God is the one who created us, we can trust this letter. He knows what makes us tick. God's word is right. This enormous God brought us his word and allows us to rely on it. The parts we understand and the ones we don't. The parts we like and the parts we try to avoid. They're still right. We need to realize those parts we don't like rather than ignore them. Maybe, maybe we should be the ones that change. Since God is such a big God, maybe I can trust him with my little problems. They seem big to me until I realize the size of our God. I need to realize how right this book is. Then he tosses in this one. Look at chapter 19, verse 11. A loving creator both warns and rewards his creation. Look at verse 11. They are a warning to your servant, a great reward for those who obey them. A book from the creator of this universe tells me about the things that I should avoid. And it tells me the rewards if I choose to obey its commands. These warnings about what happens if we start to make a mess. If we start to think our way is better than his. He warns about what will happen. If we decide to uh, do relationship our way. There's a warning. If we decide to start doing business our way. There's a warning. If we take sex outside of marriage. There's a warning. If we choose to talk with slander or foul language, God has a warning about that. If we decide to abuse substance, food, drugs, alcohol, it doesn't matter what, there's a warning for that. If we hate our brother or sister, there's a warning. God's word is perfect. It's trustworthy and it's right. We need to trust it. On the flip side, there's reward as well. His word tells us of the blessing that will come from right living. This book, if we obey it, we will be blessed. The closer we align our lives with God's commands, the better this life becomes. But also the reward for an eternity is worth giving up everything here. Warning and reward can be found in this book. We can look at this creation. We can look at his word. Check out what David says next. He brings it all the way down to us. Psalms 19, look at verse 12. It says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Why do you think that David goes from this vast expanse of the universe down to God's word and then down to the very individual, the one person, the human being? Why do you think he does that? I think he wants us to realize that a God this big is only hindered by our sin. It's the only thing that can hinder this almighty God. 
A God this big, the only place he doesn't go is into sin with us. He doesn't go there. We have all sinned. We've all fallen short. He allows us to choose. But if we choose to sin and rebel, it separates us from him. He can't be our God if we live in sin. This big God is inhibited by our sin. He can't go there. God rules and God reigns, but he doesn't go where we go when we sin. My sin takes the place of this big God. He's kicked out when I choose to sin. A God this big is only hindered by our sin. And a God this big is worthy of our thoughts and our actions. What should our response be to the science lesson of this sort? Our actions and thoughts should reflect who he is. May our lives be lived in a way that pleases him. When you have that thought, you know, God, I understand what you want for me. I, I know what you've said. But you know what? I really think my way is better this time. We need to realize who we're dealing with. He's a big God reflected in all of creation. His word is perfect. It's trustworthy and it's right. We're walking with a God who is a fortress and a rock who is only hindered by our sin. Our actions, our thoughts are worthy of him. He is one worthy of thinking about. He is one worthy of doing things for because he's an almighty God. He's a great, great, big God. As we sing the song this morning, I caught Robin's eye. We talked about it in our discussion group. And it said, the universe is singing. Did you hear that? There's places there in Isaiah that says that the universe sings. Louis Giglio has another video. I don't know if he is. Is it even possible to find it?